Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. My name is Aaron Walton, and I am the Happy Valley Campus Pastor, and I am so thankful for the opportunity to speak with you again today. I would like to start our time off by just asking you a difficult question, a hard question, maybe the most challenging question I could ask you all day, and here it is. Would you consider yourself a movie or a book person? Now, this has been a debate that's been going on for generations. It's divided families, it's broken relationships, it's caused division and strife and stress in so much of our society and in our culture. Uh, it's an age-old debate similar to that as, are you a cat person or are you a dog person? Are you someone who likes the rain or are you someone who likes the sun? Are you someone who enjoys going camping or are you someone who likes to be happy? And so there's a lot of different answers to this, a lot of different debate. If you were to ask me that same question, I would tell you without a shadow of a doubt that I am a movie person, no question. I would far rather spend two hours of my life watching a good movie than spend days of my life reading through page after page as some book describes how the wind is blowing through the leaves and how each color of the leaf is beautiful and how the bark on that tree is amazing. Like, no thank you, just give me a movie. But have you ever been in a situation where you're talking about a movie that you just saw or talking about your favorite movie and somebody swoops in and butts in on the conversation and they say that phrase that I have heard so often, oh, Aaron, the book is so much better. Ah, oh, those people, they drive me crazy. But I will say, and I will admit, that only a few instances have I seen, yes, in fact, that a book is far better than the representation of the film movie of it. And no more so than the film and the book series, Harry Potter. Now before you turn your computer off, just hear me out here for a second. Pastor Bob got to talk about politics a couple weeks ago. You can just bear with me as I just talk about Harry Potter for just a second. But one of my all-time favorite movies and my all-time favorite book series is Harry Potter. And there's a scene in Harry Potter in the first book, in the first movie, where Harry is given a gift. This is a kid who's been overlooked his entire life. He has never received even so much of a special gift on a birthday or Christmas or anything. He had a really tough childhood, always got hand-me-downs, never received a special gift. And in this story, in this book and movie, there's a moment where he receives one of the most amazing gifts that any 11-year-old could receive, an invisibility cloak. I know, kind of weird, right? But something that he can put on and he can turn invisible. Can you imagine as an 11-year-old kid receiving a gift like that, the adventures that you can go on, the mischief that you could cause, all the, the problems you could probably cause and the trouble that you could get into? But with the gift came this note. And in the note, basically, it was anonymous. Don't know who wrote it. Basically said, this invisibility cloak was given to me by your father to take care of it. Now I give it to you. And the phrase at the end of that note, which I just loved, says, use it well. The message uh, today, the title of my message today is in that same spirit. Use them well. Well, and you can write that down as I'm going to come back to that every so often. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And this is where we're going to be spending our time today. And just a few of these verses in one of the more amazing passages of Scripture. I love the letter of 1 Peter for a couple reasons. One, it was written by one of my absolute favorite 
Guys, in all of scripture, Simon Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he's the guy that got so many things right and so many things wrong, right? He could make Jesus go, yes, Peter, you get it, man. You are awesome. You are the rock of the church. You are so, get what's going on here. I am so proud of you. And in the next moment, he could have Jesus kind of going, oh, what the heck? Peter, what are you doing? Did you just cut that guy's ear off? Knock it off, man. Here, let me heal that ear, and then we'll continue on with my crucifixion. Why I love Peter is because I find myself in him. Some things I've gotten right, and a lot of things I have gotten wrong, and Jesus still loves me. Another reason why I love the letter of 1 Peter is because that the church that Peter was writing to at this time was experiencing a lot of complications, a lot of challenge. They were specifically dealing with immense persecution by the Roman authorities, and they were also experiencing division and conflict inside the church itself. And I think this is a, an amazing kind of window into just kind of the world that we're living in right now. All the persecution that's going on, all of the conflict, all of the, of the frustration and the anger, all the difficulty that goes in to just trying to follow Jesus in the here and now. And I love this message. And I love how Peter speaks to the church that in response to the persecution they're experiencing, the conflict that they have in between their church themselves, that he speaks to a posture and an attitude that this church continually needs to practice as a response to the challenges and the difficulties that they're facing. And one of the things that Peter will say is that we do not know what tomorrow will hold. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. So let us take advantage of every opportunity and let us take advantage of everything that God has given us to continually serve and love each other. And I think this is the message that we need as a church and as a community to hear today. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 7. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. What a way to start a message, right? That's a feel good, right? The end of the world is coming soon. Now let me ask you a question and be honest. How many of you at one point or another over these last several months have felt that that is what's happening right now, that we are in the end of the world. We're living out the book of Revelations. This is the end of times. I'll be honest that for a long time, I was pretty good. I wasn't getting too freaked out. I wasn't too afraid. I wasn't getting to that point where I thought we were in the end of times. But when I started hearing about the murder hornets, you guys remember the murder hornets? I was done. After that, I said, okay, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take me home. We are living in the end of times. But I don't think Peter's really trying to scare the church and really trying to talk about the end of times as he just mentions the end of the world is coming soon. What Peter is trying to do just in this one small sentence is he's just trying to wake the church up. He's just trying to say, we don't know what tomorrow will hold. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. We don't even know if we will get through the night. And so let us live in such a way every single day that we are ready, that we are pursuing after the right things and living in such a way that brings honor to every day. So in this spirit of readiness and in this encouragement that Peter is trying to give the church to respond to the conflict and the persecution and all the different things that they've got going on, he says the first posture that we need to practice is one of prayer. 
Now, one of my biggest hopes and one of my biggest desires as one of the pastors of this church is that we would become a people, that we would become a community, that we would be a church of prayer. And not just those of you who are prayer warriors that do it all the time. I'm saying all of us, the whole church, would take on the responsibility of praying for each other, of praying for our church, of praying for our community, of praying for what's going on in our world. One of the best ways that we can respond to what's going on with all the conflict is in a spirit of humble prayer and asking God for his will to be done. See, this is what prayer does. It does a bunch of different things. One of the things it does is that it corrects us and it guides us. There's so much going on right now, so much where we rely on our feelings and our emotions and our truth, the things that we think are right. And what I think prayer does is it helps us navigate through our feelings, through our emotions, through our pursuit of what we think is right, and it helps align us with who God is. In a situation where I might respond with anger or bitterness, I believe prayer helps change my attitude so maybe that I may show grace and understanding in that same situation. I also believe that prayer connects our hearts and our souls with each other when we pray for one another. Like even though we're in a, a, a season of distance, even though we can't meet on a regular basis, I still believe that when I pray for you and if you pray for me and when we pray for each other, God is doing a mysterious work of connecting our hearts and our minds and our souls and connecting our lives. I also believe that what prayer does is it calls upon the name of the Lord. It calls upon God to be a God of miracles and to do some amazing things, things we can't even wrap our minds around because that is the God that I and hopefully you believe in. A quote from William Barclay says it this way, even if we are separated from people and even if there is no other gift which we can give to them, we can surround them with the strength and the defense of our prayers. This is what we can do for each other in this difficult season, in this difficult time. We can continue to pray for one another and we can continue to pray for God's will to be done. I gotta tell you, just a quick story. Uh, last weekend, uh, my wife gets a text from one of the members of her family, one of her cousins, letting us know about a situation that was happening with that uh, certain part of that family. So basically what had happened was uh, some members of her extended family were going on a camping trip. And so during this camping trip, it was just all the guys, the dads and their sons. During this camping trip, my wife's cousin's son, Nolan, who is three years old, wandered off from the campsite. They were scouring around, looking for him, calling out to him, singing out to him, crying out to him, trying to find him, and they could not find him. Hour by hour went by, and they were looking all around. They're out in Lapine, Oregon somewhere, out in the middle of nowhere at this campsite somewhere, and they could not find him for hours. They finally call the authorities, search and rescue comes in. They bring in bloodhounds. They bring in all these volunteers searching for this three-year-old boy who is lost in the middle of of the woods. When Katie and I heard this, we were just kind of in shock. Like our bodies were just kind of like, oh my gosh, can you imagine? Can you imagine your son or daughter, your niece, your nephew, your granddaughter, your grandson lost in the middle of the woods at the age of three? And so the only thing we could do in that moment, the only thing Katie and I, the only response we had was just to be in prayer for them to be in prayer for this amazing family and to be in prayer for this beautiful, amazing boy. 
named Nolan. And so we were with our family. We left. We went to bed. We looked at each other. We said, let's pray. So we prayed together, and then we tried to fall asleep. But literally, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you try to fall asleep, but your mind is racing and going so fast and so quickly. And we're in such a spirit of prayer that any moment that we had, we just kept praying to God. God, find him. God, you know exactly where Nolan is. Keep him safe. Keep him protected. He is all by himself. It is the middle of the night. Lord, be with him. We somewhat get maybe a one or two hours of sleep. We get up the next day hoping that we will receive some news. We look on Facebook. We look for our text messages and nothing. They still haven't found him. I get on my Facebook and I just start calling out to my friends and my community on Facebook and I said, can you pray for this little boy? Can you pray for this family? And I just gotta say thank you so much for those of you that saw that post on Facebook and you prayed for a family and little boy that you don't even know. And so many other people were doing that. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds Hundreds of people were praying for this little boy, but hour by hour went by and still no news. They still haven't found him. 12.30 comes around. 17 hours from the moment that he vanished, we finally got a text that Nolan has been found. And here's the best part. He was completely fine. There was nothing wrong with him. He got some scratches on his legs, maybe a little sunburn, but he was totally fine. Here's a picture of him that I want you to show of they found him afterwards. Now, I I don't know where you are in regards to prayer. I, I don't know how you feel towards it. And I can totally understand that prayer can be a challenging and difficult thing because we don't always get what we pray for. And there's not a lot of stories, unfortunately, that end this way. And I totally understand wherever you might be wrestling with God in whatever's happened with your life. But here's what I gotta tell you. All that I know is that this family that we love, the mom and the dad I went to college with, they were good friends of mine. They were youth leaders for me when I was a youth pastor. We love this family. All that we could do for them was pray. All that we can do was lift up little Nolan and place him in the hands of God and say, God, you know exactly where he is. Keep him safe and please direct one of those volunteers, one of those people that are looking for him and help him or her find that wonderful, amazing Nolan. All that we know is in situations that we have no control over, all that we can do is pray for God to be the God of miracles. And so let me ask you this question. How can we as your church pray with you today? Not just for you, but how can we pray with you? If you're going through something difficult, if you are experiencing challenge, if you've got a lot of feelings and emotions and questions, if you are going through a difficult season right now, if you are terrified of what tomorrow may bring, let us as your church walk alongside you and pray with you. Every week, we invite you to let us know how we as a church can be praying for you. And I gotta ask you again and again, please click on the prayer request tab. Send in your prayer requests. Send any of the pastors, any of the staff, a text, an email. Let us know how we as a church can lift you up because we believe that God is a God of miracles, that through prayer we are connected in a mysterious way that I don't even fully understand, but I know that when I pray for you, God is connecting our hearts, our souls, our lives, that God can, if if nothing else, correct us and change our hearts and guide us and lead us and help us see things and discover things about ourselves and about him that we do not realize and we do not understand. So how can we pray with you? Do not log off today 
without at least asking, how can we as a church pray together? So that's the first step. The next step we find in verse 11, 1 Peter 4, 11. Again, Peter just keeps taking the church one step farther, one step deeper, and a different challenge as we respond to the persecution, the conflict, and the unknown. Allow me to read 1 Peter 4, 11. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who are in need, a meal or a place to stay. The next posture that Peter challenges the church to fully understand is that of love. But, and Peter says, for love, authentic, true love will cover a multitude of sins. But what the heck does that mean? What I've come to understand what Peter meant when he says this was that authentic love, the love that we have discovered in Jesus Christ, when we allow that love, the way that Jesus lived, the way that he treated other people, the way that he saw people, when we allow that to be revealed inside of our life, to be reflected inside of our life, it gives us the ability to navigate through the mess. As Peter says, through the sin, through the difficulties that is being in relationship, in being in community, and being just with people. I'm sure that over these last several months, let alone your entire life, you've seen the mess of humanity. I'm sure over these last several months, you've seen the mess of living in community, even the mess that sometimes can be church. And what Peter is saying is, he's not saying ignore that. He's not saying that just pretend like it's not there. He's saying allow the love of Jesus Christ to be ever present in your life so that you can navigate through those difficulties, through that conflict, through the hurt and the pain that we can cause each other sometimes and through the mistakes that we made. Wayne uh, Grudman says it this way, but where love is lacking, Every word is viewed with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding and conflict abound to Satan's perverse delight. See, this is what happens when love is not ever present inside of our lives. When we're not daily asking God to empower us to show and reflect the love of Jesus Christ, there is suspicion, there's misunderstanding, and there's conflict after conflict after conflict. Anger, bitterness, irritability, unwilling to forgive, apathy, all of these is what happens, what will allow to live and breathe and thrive when love, when the love of Jesus that we have come to be transformed by is not ever present in our lives and not practically shown around us. And anger, bitterness, irritability, unwilling to forgive, and apathy, all of those things will destroy community if left unchecked. Every single one of those will destroy relationships if left unchecked to Satan's perverse delight. So hear me when I say this, church. During this time, during this difficult season, hear me when I say this. We will cease to be the church without the practical outpouring of hospitality, generosity, and sacrifice. See, one of the things that Peter was saying to the church, he's saying, share your home with those who are in need. Share a meal. Let people have a place to stay. And the reason why Peter said that is because the church, during Peter's day, that's the only way they could have survived. They didn't have a church building to go to. They didn't have areas of communication other than the missionaries and the pastors and the leaders that went from town to town sharing the gospel message. And if people did not open up their doors and invite people in and let them stay a night, the message of Jesus Christ might never have been shared. And so Peter is saying to the church, look for ways to tangibly show people love. 
Open up your doors. Share a meal with them. Give whatever you have, whatever resources that you have been entrusted. Use that. Be in an attitude of sacrifice every single moment so that other people may experience and see the love of Jesus Christ and we can be continue to be the church even in difficult seasons. Where has God called you to show his love practically today? Where has God called, where, what small corner of the world, it's a phrase I love to use because I think it's true, where is the small corner of the world that God has placed you to show the love of his son today? So that's the second step. The third step's even better. This gets better and better the more we go. We go from prayer to let's show some practical love, let us display who Jesus is in our actions and now Peter takes the church even further in verse 10. 1 Peter verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Peter looking at the church. He sees the persecution of the Roman authorities. He sees the conflict and the disunity that's happening inside of the church because of all the challenges that they're facing. And he says to the church, each of you, each of you has been given a gift, a gift by God, a spiritual gift, and he pleads with the church to use them well. Now there's a lot that we can talk about when it comes to spiritual gifts. Everyone has an opinion about how many there are and what they are and what they look like. Here's what I've come to understand as a spiritual gift. It's basically a skill or a talent or an ability and sometimes just even an attitude that we all have that was either something that we were born with or something that we learned as time went on. And it's in that gift, talent, and ability, whatever you want to call it, taken by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit when we give our life to Jesus Christ and then through the power of the Holy Spirit is used to serve each other and in Peter's context to serve the church. So hear me when I say this. For anybody who's watching this message, wherever you're watching this from, hear me when I say this. You have been given a gift. Every single one of you who's invited Jesus Christ into their life has been given a spiritual gift. And so as Peter cried out to the church, I cry out to our church, let us use these gifts well. Let us use them in service to those around us. Let us continually find ways that we can build up our brothers and sisters in Christ to continually use them in our community, in for those that are suffering, those are scared, those that are wandering through life. Let us look for ways to use the gifts that God has given us and to use them well. One of the things that I love about our church, that during this crazy season, COVID, corona, whatever you want to call it, season, is that we have continued to do ministry. It might look a little different. It might not be exactly what we want, but we have continued to be a church that's actively pursuing and doing ministry. No more so than I think than one of uh, the, the best ministries we have here at the church, which is our student ministries. I gotta tell you, the leaders and the pastors that are a part of this ministry are some of the most amazing people I have ever met in my life. And I want to just talk about one of them in particular. And so let me show you this picture. This is Brett Byerly. Uh, Brett Byerly has been a youth leader uh, for 16 
years. He has been a volunteer youth leader for 16 years. And this is a picture of him uh, doing a devotion on Instagram. One of the things that uh, the student ministries have done and the leaders have done every so often is just doing a quick devotional, talking about the word, uh, encouraging students and asking them to let them know how we can be praying for them. I cannot even imagine, can't even fathom all the different families, all the different middle school and high school students that Brett Byerly has encouraged, has spoken truth to, has pointed towards Jesus and allowed his life to be a reflection of the love of God through the 16 years that he has been caring for the high school and the middle school students in our church and in our community. And I don't show you Brett's picture to say that he is better than anybody else, that he is more qualified, that he has all the gifts, that he's the most amazing guy on the face of the planet. Don't get me wrong. He is amazing, and he's one of the best-looking guys I know. But that's not why I'm showing it to you. I'm showing it to you because I believe Brett took this scripture seriously, that at one point in his life, he recognized the talents and the, and the skills that God has given him, and he decided to use those well, and he used them for the sake of the other, and he has cared for generation after generation of students through this church. And in so doing, he has experienced the best that life has to offer. Henry Nouwen says it this way. He says, our greatest fulfillment lies in giving ourselves to others. That is truth, brothers and sisters of Christ. I'm telling you right now, when we find that small area of the world, when we allow ourselves to be used by God, the things that he has given us, how he's designed us, our passions, our skills, our talents, when we allow ourselves to be used and to be in service to the other person, we experience the absolute best that this life has to offer. So hear me when I say this. The gifts of God are not a sign of status, celebrity, or favor, but instead are to awaken inside of each of us the responsibility we have to each other. Like I said, we are given these gifts by God, not to puff up our pride, not so that we can fall in love with our own legacy, not to become celebrities, not to show people how amazing we are. The only reason God has given us these spiritual gifts, taken our lives, our skills, our talents, our abilities, and with the Holy Spirit, the only reason why he does that is so that we are awakened to the responsibility that we have to those around us. And so let me ask you this. Have you discovered your gift? the gift that God has given you, the gift that God has, has created and designed inside of you? Do you believe that God has given you a spiritual gift to serve others with? And if yes, you have found that gift, or if you're aware of that gift, or at least you're wrestling with what that gift could be, I would challenge you to ask the question, are you using it well? We'll, we'll finish it up with verses 11 and 12 because again, this is a beautiful way to end this message. First Peter 4, 11 through 12. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Christ. All glory and all power to him forever and ever. Amen. Please hear me 
when I say this, and don't take this the wrong way, but this is what I believe. Abundant Life Church does not exist to promote one person, one pastor, to promote our brand or to promote our name. Everything we do, every ministry that we have here, the core of why we do what we do is to bring glory to God and to point people towards Jesus Christ. I live my life not to promote myself, not to promote my family name, not to promote my image or my legacy or my lack of legacy. The only reason why I live, everything that I try, and the emphasis is try here, try to do is to bring glory to my heavenly Father and to point people towards Jesus Christ, to point people towards the living God that changed and transformed me. And my hope and my prayer is that they will come to know the God that loves them and the Son that changes lives through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Can you imagine what kind of church we would be even in this difficult season, even with everything going around in the world, if we were a church where in everything that we did, whether it be in word or deed, we would do it all to bring glory to God. That every time we had the opportunity to speak or text or post on social media, it would be as though God himself were speaking through us. That's why I think prayer is so important. Like I said, it corrects us. It calms us down. It changes our perspective so that when we do speak, that we're not just putting God's name on our own feelings and our own emotions, but if we were to take it with reverence and understand that when we have this opportunity to say anything, let us do it as if God himself were speaking through us. If we were to serve each other, if we were to help others, if we were to do a good deed, we would do it out of the strength and energy that God supplies so that we can give him all the credit. If we do anything of any earthly good or heavenly good here at Abundant Life Church, let us every single moment with every breath give God all the glory because it is he who is doing the hard work. It is he who is changing lives and we are just here to give him glory, to give him praise, to point people towards him because he is the one that changes life. And that's why I think Peter was saying, make sure, make sure to love. Love genuinely, practically because when we do that, when we really truly show honest, authentic love, it changes us. It corrects us. It gives us understanding. It does not let us be victims to our own feelings and our emotions. I'm gonna close in prayer, but before I do, I just have one last quote that I wanna share with you from Mother Teresa. And in the spirit of Peter's call upon the church to not worry about tomorrow, for we do not know what tomorrow may come. And even if the world is coming to an end, let us respond in such a way. Let us not waste one more day by waiting, but instead take advantage of the opportunity that has been afforded to us. Take the gifts that God has given us and let us use them well for each other. Mother Teresa says this, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. Let us begin. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much for this day and my prayer I want just to be simple and to the point. Lord, we are going through a difficult time right now. There is so much going on in our world, in our community, and in the life of our church. So Lord, I pray that we would be a people that pray, 
that we would be earnest and disciplined in our prayers for one another and that we would continue to call upon the name of you and your son, Jesus Christ, to be the God of miracles. Lord, let us continue to show love, authentic, true, Christ-like love to this world. Lord, let us be hospitable. Let us be generous. Let us be sacrificial in our attitude so that other people may see and experience who you are and that we may be able to respond to the hurt, to the pain, to the injustice, and to the evil of this world as we continually reflect your son Jesus in everything that we do. Lord, let us take the gifts that you have given us and use them for the church. Let us use them to serve others. Lord, let us use the gifts that you have given us and let us use them well. And in everything that we do, whether it be in word or in deed, let us give you glory let us give you all the glory for everything that we are and everything that we have has come from you. Lord, we thank you. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to give us the courage to move forward, continually give us the protection, the courage we need to be the church, to look after one another, to care for one another, Lord, and let us just be so excited to see the miracles you will do, to continually see you respond to the hurt and the pain and the suffering of this world. And Lord, let us be along for the adventure. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.